You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, good morning, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Saturday morning live with myself, Kayum. And joining me today for the next two hours is my comrade, brother Usman Bhatt. Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings be upon you all. And also to you, Brother Kyum, how are you? All, pro- all praise belongs to Allah, fantastic, as always. Um, I'm, I'm always good. <laughs> You're always smiling. It's all okay, man. It's the best medicine. Uh, lovely Saturday morning. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a crazy been a week in week, weather. Actually. It's been a very cold week. Yesterday yeah. morning, in fact, the mornings have been very foggy. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, I didn't realize. I mean, we always talk about Voice of Islam, and we always have this notion that we're talking to our local people. But we're talking to Birmingham. We're talking to Bradford now. We're, yeah. We are, we truly are national. Yeah. I think we're in Scotland. I know we're in the north. We're in the Midlands. Are we in Ireland? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, wherever you are, I want to hear from you. 0208 What are you going to call me for? Which topic? I just want you to call in and say, Asalaamu Alaikum and peace be on you and tell us where you are from. And uh, if you're listening to Voice of Islam, um, what is it that you want us to talk about? But <clears throat> what are we going to do today? Today we're going to be talking about what's happening in the in, in the world, in and around the world. We're going to go through the uh, papers, um, see what the headlines are, um, um, and, uh, um, you know, and then we're going to give you the truthful perspective. <laughs> 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 we're going to give you the truthful perspective of what really is happening. Um what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about two topics. Uh, we're going to be discussing two topics, and we would love to hear from you because we think, um, um, you know, you can kind of uh, um, shed some light on these topics because they're very relevant. Um, in the latest census figures, for the first time in a thousand years, um, um, less than 50% of this country's population um, have declared that uh, they believe in Christianity. That is not what we're going to be talking about. What we're going to be talking about is how more and more people are moving away from God. Um, yeah. Not too long ago in the pandemic, we were talking the total opposite yeah, yeah. because people had gone towards God. But in this census, in 2021 figures, more people, the second largest number of people are people who don't believe in anything. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not oh why people are moving away from Christianity um, or why people are moving away from Islam, why people are moving away from Hinduism or whatever, because that's actually not the case. All other faiths have gone up by small percentages in this country, belief yeah. systems. But Christianity has come down for the first time in its 40 percent. So less than 50 percent of this country um, who used to be believers are moving away from church. But as I said, I want to hear from you if you have moved away from faith, if you don't believe there's a God um, or um, you do believe in God, but you don't believe um, in an in a institution. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing um, um, why um, 
uh, of course, it will be opinion-based, and Imam uh, and I always say Imam Usman, but will kind of shed some light on this as well. How, um, you know, wh- why people are looking to move away and what is it that they're looking for? And we're going to be discussing what are the common factors between all these faiths and uh, what we as Ahmadi Muslims believe the remedy to this challenge of this society in this day and age is across the world. And secondly, what we're going to be talking about is the term love. Um, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> Give us a call. 0208-687-7878. Define the term love. Imam Usman Bhatt is going to what's, be... What's shedding. love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Tina Turner all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we would love to hear from you. Um, give us a call, 0208-687-7878, or join us on our social media platforms, comment at Voice of Islam UK, or feel free to email us um, via our website, www.voiceofislam.co.uk. And of course, um, we're going to be talking about what is happening um, in Qatar. Not Qatar, Qatar. Qatar. <laughs> Um, in, in, in respect of the World Cup, the do's, the don'ts, the politics, the yeah. sports. But I think before um, we get to the politics, with the actual World Cup in itself, there have been some really good uh, moments. There has been moments, but I want uh, you to hold to that moment because I want to go through what the weather is saying across the UK um, because it's part and parcel of being British and it just wouldn't be British not to talk about the weather. I could probably Today's guess the weather then. <laughs> <laughs> it's part and parcel of being British. Today, northwestern areas will be cloudy with some patchy rains. These mainly in western Scotland, sunshine and variable clouds will be elsewhere, with more in the way of cloud and fewer showers in the east. Tonight, England and Wales will turn cloudy, with a chance of showers and uh, wintry showers on the on the high ground in the north. Clearer elsewhere, but some showers in eastern Scotland and wintry on the hills. Um, uh, Brother Usman, you were talking about the footballing moments. Yeah, no, I think this World Cup has... Um it's not disappointed in terms of footballing moments. I think even yesterday, uh, Uruguay-Ghana was a very intense match. And I think more so because it had the history behind it than when they played in 2010. Suarez doing the handball and Ghana then missing the penalty and then losing the penalty shootout, which led them to kind of leave the World Cup. But that whole situation with then Switzerland winning, uh, beating Serbia... Uh, which meant that actually the two goals that Uruguay scored weren't enough. They had to get one more, but Ghana, will be able to, Ghana were able to hold them off. So that was a very, very um, intense but enjoyable to watch. Uh, also, the Germany-Spain group, that group was it's an amazing evening of football where there was a potential chance of both Spain and Germany being kicked out of the group stages. Uh, and so, uh, what were the other teams in their, their groups? I can't remember. I'm not yeah. a footballing person. You're not a footballing person. But I but see. I see the game. I, I, I. To me, it's like you know, the people are glued to an hour and a half, two hours of like. Okay, let's watch the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's keep highlights. it simple. But one thing I, I have noticed. Oh, but another big upset. Sorry, like I mean, it didn't affect them going through. But Cameroon beat Brazil yesterday. Brazil's like the number one ranked team in the world. Yeah, but th- it was the like second team. 43rd. No, it was the second team. It was the second that, team. Yeah, but even their second they're, team, they're the number one ranked team in the world. They are the number one ranked team in the world. But, you know, the, the, I, I think there's also, um, they, they the, there's maneuverability within, I mean, they rested on their key players. Understandably, you know, Neymar He's is injured. injured. Neymar's injured. It, so that they may be giving him time for recover. All the other players, you know, the, the key players were, were not played. Mm. Um, and and because they had qualified, 
they had yeah, qualified. Yeah, but you know, but, but, but there's tactics. I'm sure there's there's some kind of tactics there. I mean, as I said, I'm not a footballing person, but what I did notice, yeah, the the pundits make me laugh, and okay. some of the commentators have made me laugh. When a team who is an underdog wins, yeah. It's never how fantastic the underdogs have played. It's how terrible yeah. the, the, the team who was supposed to win or how the weather has been so hot so it's been difficult for them and how it's always complaints. Isn't FIFA like football supposed to be an international game? Aren't countries supposed to be, on these multi-millionaire players supposed to kind of be ready to play in all climates? I mean, I don't see Usain Bolt when he goes to maybe, uh, uh, um, you know, in in uh, in a cold country to do a hundred meters race and says, "Well, it's too cold. I'm not going to run." Yeah, but there's a big difference in hundred meters and running like thirteen miles or however many miles they run, well, like thirteen kilometers. Do it. Cricketers do it. They they spend yeah, five days, no, not an hour and a half. No, but again, cricket, no, no, they, they they run no, around for but, five days. Yeah, but cricket is very start stop. Like it, it, you're not going to get fatigued in the same way that you do when you're running non stop. Well, if I'm going to be paid, if I'm going to be paid hundred million pounds. I'm going to make sure that I'm able to run for an hour and a half. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, if you're you're right in that sense, you're a professional athlete. You're getting paid. Or if I can't, I'll say I'll stay quiet and and just go with the flow instead of criticizing. No, but this is where their criticism comes. I'm just saying the fact that you're being paid so much to play. Mm-hmm. We expect your fitness levels to be at top level. That regardless the climate, you should be performing. So the fact that you're not performing, obviously you could say that it might be the weather, mm. the climate, you're not used to it, the humidity, whatever it may be. But these are things that the other team has to face as well. So you're not the only ones facing these problems, but yet the other team's facing the problem than performing. So th- that's what the critics are saying. They're agreeing with you. They're agreeing. No, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But, but the teams which are the underdogs, they should be praised. Of they course. should be praised for playing good football. Morocco, Tunisia, even KSA. Um, you know, um, who else was there? Uh, look, look, teams like Belgium have been knocked out. Second favourites. They're the second ranked team in the world. Yeah. Just didn't turn up. You know. Who, th- th- exactly. What, what does that mean? They didn't turn they up. didn't turn up means that with the players that they had on the pitch, uh-huh. like Kevin De Bruyne, probably one of the best midfielders in the world, uh-huh. um, Lukaku world-recognized striker Eden Hazard mm-hmm. they've got recognized this was their golden generation of footballers so if they didn't turn up didn't turn up mean is that they didn't play to their potential and all of them looked like they had an off day none of them looked like it's like they lost on the pitch do you think those players would agree with you that we are making these comments about that they didn't turn up of course they lost that no, no. Belgium team they, is, maybe they tried their best yeah, just and the other day. team was better. No, I don't think so. Okay, because as I said, I'm not a footballer person. The other team, I just find I, it I think double the, standards the, the here. Other, the other team is better if they beat you. In Belgium's case, Belgium needed the goal. The other team held them off. Mm-hmm. If the other team had beaten them, yes, the other team's better because they stuck to their tactics. If you look at the match, it was a draw. No, but to say that the others, the the, the players didn't turn up. Is that not being unfair to the players who tried their best to get to this stage mm. and to, to insinuate that these players just didn't play because what they didn't have a they had a bad off day? Yeah. 
is that not wrong? Is that not unfair to the players who have worked hard to get to this stage? I'll tell you why it's not wrong in this case. Mm-hmm. Because the chances that they missed mm-hmm. were chances, and I say this um, with the most uh, humility, mm-hmm. that even I could have scored. Like, you know, this is what everyone that watching that game was saying, that even I could have scored that. Mm-hmm. So they had a number of chances where Oh, you think, okay, this is it. Oh, this is it. It's an open goal. Oh, he's like five yards away from the goal. Is this definitely the goal? Mm-hmm. And then he missed. So if it was the other way around mm-hmm. where the team defended so well that they didn't even get one chance at goal, then you're right. It's not that they lost. The other team did well. That's how I see it. I'm going to come back to the Qatar competition, but I quickly want to go through what the papers are saying this morning um, because it's very relevant. Um, what the papers are talking about is something that affects our everyday life, everyday living. Um, the Times uh, uh, is preoccupied by uh, the strikes. They're saying the strikes planned by nurses in England will take place later this month. It's, uh, it has conducted research suggesting up to 140,000 patients could have operations and consultations cancelled because of the action. Are uh, they like major operations as well? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. All all operations are put on the back. There are, there are, uh, there are going to be some um, which will carry on, like I'm sure, accident, emergency, and and life-threatening um, yeah. operations will continue. Okay, they will be supplied. I'm sure that is the case. That's always the case, because the doctors, and nurses are not there for money, as much as the the, the mainstream papers sometimes uh, portray as as a money thing. It's not. Um, these people are there. That they work crazy hours. Mm. Um, and they, the, the the reason they are doctors and nurses is because they want to save lives. Yeah. Um, but after 12 years of misery, they they have not been left any choices but to take this action. Again, that's a personal opinion. Um, the paper, the papers' uh, leaders say the prime minister must work out how to prevent the wave of walkouts in the NHS and other sectors paralysing the country if he's uh, to have any chance of restoring confidence in the government. Um, the Guardian on the front page reports that up to half a million of UK's most vulnerable families, and this is very important, have been left without any government help to pay their energy bills since October. Again, the government has put a policy out, but they need to give attention to ensure that everybody is given the assistance. They actually receive it. Mm. It is a responsibility of uh, every single local MP to make sure that their um, you know their constituents um, are are being uh, are in receipt of this benefit that the government has uh, has announced. Um, it says that this is because an estimated 1.3 million vouchers for homes that use prepayment meters have been lost, delayed, or have not been claimed. Uh, a government spokesman, spokesman uh, told the paper all vouchers of October, November should have been dispatched by suppliers. If customers have not received them or are having difficulties in redeeming them, they should contact their supplier. The Sun uh, opinion column accuses the unions, um, in its words, using skint families and stricken firms as cannon fodder in their political war. Um, it calls on Rishi Sunak to show some Thatcherite steel by bringing in emergency laws, which could make it harder for workers to strike. Um, the Daily Mirror has uh, commissioned a poll in which 54 percent of people said they supported the nurses' demand for a wage increase. Uh, 1,500 adults were surveyed and 23% were against the action. The paper states that the findings reflect not just the widespread appreciation of NHS workers, but also the dismay that nurses are so poorly paid. This is what we were talking about when I said to you, uh, we were talking about earlier, the Daily Mail has quoted a microbiologist 
saying that the COVID prevention measures may have resulted in a drop in population-wide immunity that increased the transmission, particularly in school children. The Financial Times has suggested that Russia has quietly amassed a fleet of more than 100 aging tankers to help get around Western restrictions on its oil, soy, oil sales imposed in response to invasion of Ukraine. The paper says the Kremlin has assembled what the oil shipping industry refers to as a shadow fleet. Experts say the evidence of this is a large increase in the number of un, um, unnamed or new buyers appearing in the shipping register. Um, finally, the Delhi Telegraph has reported on how the former Culture Secretary Nadine Doris is writing a book which alleges that a group of Conservative MPs were involved in a three-year conspiracy of bringing down the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Um, there is um, um, the, the, the I newspaper um, has uh, said the UK Brexit regrets are growing more and more people. One Apparently one in seven people who voted, uh, allegedly according to this paper, are, um, are, you know, if they were given the chance of uh, voting again, they would vote remain. Um, it is. It has become a, a political football. I was quite disappointed with Labour, to be honest, when Keir Starmer said that he wouldn't even entertain um, freedom of movement. I, 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 for me, for one, I don't understand. Again, maybe it's my limited knowledge and naive thinking. We have two million vacancies in this country. Yeah, we keep on going on about. Um, full employment. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, most jobs are full, but we do have a two million pound, two million shortage of people. Now, and then we talk about economic growth. You can't have economic growth when you have so many vacant jobs and you don't have people to fill them. Correct. Yep. Now, we are we clearly are anti-immigrant at the moment because of the way we uh, you know we process um, um, immigration. We are always going on about how so many people have increased and so many people have left, blah, blah, blah. We we, but <coughs> the only realistic solution to filling those jobs, which became vacant in the first place, was uh, six years of absolute mayhem within the immigration system within our home office. If we were to open and negotiate with EU and talk about freedom of movement, um, a customs union, we can dictate the fact that okay, we will allow freedom of movement, but yep. it's subject to, subject to you know nobody can come in and uh, and claim um, you know everybody talks about this this red herring oh social benefits, um, but nobody can claim social benefits for five years or seven years it used to be, um, and so the only people who can come in will have to have a job, and if they have a job they will pay tax, and if they pay tax that will go into the coffers of the economy, and that will be part and parcel in a small way of kind of the recovery of or, or the build-up of the economic growth that these people always talk about. Yet, you know, we conservatives have been fairly um, straightforward about, you know, that Brexit is a no, a no, uh, no discussion. But Keir Starmer has closed the doors as well for Labour. So I'm thinking, I'm waiting for the Liberals now. Are they going to be, because they forever have been talking about, you know, um, um, uh, opening the doors and, and having... Um, a freedom uh, of people moving around, you know, it, it's it's you know it's it's, hum it's human nature to move around. I mean, they can't restrict yeah. it. But I want to see what all the other parties will say about this. You know, I was going to ask actually. Last time we were in the studio, myself, yourself, and Mr. Adil, if you're listening, Assalamualaikum. 
we were discussing who the next prime minister might be. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would always ask that. Now it's Mr. Rishi Sunak. What's your thoughts on him? How's his uh, kind of initial stages of uh, leadership been? What's your review? I, you know, from, from my point of view, I think... Um, your personal point of view, by the way. Yeah, it is a personal yeah. point of view. Uh, you know, it, it's, he, he's, uh, he's done what anybody else would have done. Oh, so this is... A, hold on, when FIFA does... When the pundits do this... No, no. When the no, no, pundits no, no. do this... No, no, no. Is, why are they being so critical? I'm not criticising him. I'm not criticising him. He, he didn't have any other way to do. The only way to come in was to reverse yeah. what Listras did. That was the only option. There was nothing else he could have done. Yeah. The reason Liz Trust and, and, and our former Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, he went because of the policies they brought in. And so whoever was going to become Prime Minister had to reverse what they did. Otherwise, it would have been... So you think the country's in a better place? Oh, yeah. You know, it would be unfair on Rishi Sunak to say that um, that uh, it hasn't made a difference. But, the, yeah, the markets have stabilised, you know, where a pound was equal to a dollar. I think I think yesterday it was a, a dollar uh, 19 or dollar 20. Um, okay. I, I, somebody said dollar 22. Maybe that's wrong, but I know I've seen it at a dollar 18, 19. Mm. So, and, and, you know, with the, with the new budget that... Uh, um, with the new budget that uh, um, our Chancellor came up with, Jeremy Hunt, yep. um, the markets didn't kind of go do gymnastics like it did when Kwasi yeah. Kwarteng kind of did the mini budget. So, you know, it, 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 there is stabilization. But the fact that people like Sajid Javed, when they have decided, and so many other senior Tory MPs are deciding that they're not going to, they're not going to run again at the next general election, that shows also that um, people have had it 12 years. Um, is fatigue. There mm. is conservatism, conservatism, there's fatigue in this government, uh, similar to what Labour went through after 10, I think 13 odd years, and before then it was Margaret yeah. Thatcher, for th- yeah. and Tories again were in power for 13 years. So it seems to me that there's that cycle that we are going through. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one thing that, uh, uh, you know, uh, everybody thinks is a foregone conclusion about Keir Starmer, what people don't realise, yesterday I was listening to these pollsters, and they said... Labour was 30 plus points ahead now since Rishi Sunak, that lead has reduced to 20% plus. Yeah. But when it comes to the question asked by the, to the people if they would prefer Rishi Sunak or Keir Starmer as leaders, they were both Nick on Nick. par. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That Labour as a, as a party is 20% ahead. But Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak, depending on which poll you listen to, one said it was a bit higher. Okay, people preferred Rishi, and on and, and on other poll they they said they preferred Keir Starmer. But on par across the board, they shouldn't be neck or neck. So a lot of people are looking for a little so bit it's of policy versus personality. Yeah, and and you know again, um, the problem Labour has is they're very good at telling us about what how bad the conservatives are they are very good at opposing the the the, the tories but they have yet to tell us anything about what they're going to do yeah so as as you know the voter out there is thinking okay um fine you don't agree with what the current government's doing and you're very good at opposing them you're very good at telling us what they are doing wrong 
but you're not telling us what is it that you're going to do to remedy the same problem. People, people are becoming more politically aware because now with the times we're living in, um, people are directly being affected with the policies that the government's bringing in. Hence, you know, the strikes across the, the you know, yeah. be it, um, um, uh, you know, postal, doctors, nurses, um, dock workers, you name it, across the board industry. Um, strike action is uh, is is uh, is something uh, that shows that uh, we as a nation um, are um, at a position where we're saying enough is enough. Mm. It's interesting. I think when you're, how long has it been now? They've not been in power. Was it 2010? 12 years. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for 12 years, naturally, they've always been looking up, pointing fingers. Mm. So they've just not gotten used to it but it's almost like by default they have that's the first thing they have to do is point out someone's mistake we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to carry on talking about Qatar but we're also going to go on to our first topic of the morning which is um, why are people more uh, moving away from faith do stay tuned grab yourself a cup of coffee or you know send one this way in fact I don't really want a coffee I'd prefer some breakfast um, it's oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Brother Sman, I know you. You oh, you're you're on one of your your uh, your intermittent diet things, aren't yes, you? So yes. you can't eat. So, it's a black so, coffee for me. So it's all for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will sit in front of you and eat. <laughs> Do stay tuned. Uh, give us a call um, or oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK or feel free to email us uh, via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk we're going to be right back after some um, short messages Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Ashhadu an la Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam. Take note how the Holy Prophet of Islam remained resolute and steadfast in his claim to prophethood from beginning to end, in the face of thousands of dangers and a multitude of enemies and threatening opponents. For years on end, he endures such hardship and suffering as increase from day to day, enough to make one despair of success. It is inconceivable for a man with worldly motives to have shown such prolonged endurance and steadfastness. Not only that, by putting forth his claim to prophethood, he even lost the support he had previously enjoyed. The price he had to pay for his one claim 
was to confront a hundred thousand contentions and invite a multitude of calamities to befall upon his head. He was exiled from his homeland, pursued with intent to murder. His home and belongings were destroyed. Several attempts on his life were made by poisoning. Those who were his well-wishers began to harbour ill for him. Friends turned into foes. For an age which seemed eternity, he braved such hardships, which are beyond a pretender and impostor to suffer through. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Gayum, and Brother Osman. Um, we've just been going through what the papers have been talking about uh, and uh, um, what are they reporting on um, in respect of. Uh, the, the actions of politicians, organizations, um, people, and how it affects our everyday life. And um, Brother Usman, you talked earlier about uh, you know the population and, in fact, the world. Um, football fans are being preoccupied yeah. at the moment with the football. Okay. Now, um, before the show started, we were talking about Qatar. Um, and uh, yep. this World Cup has not been about football alone it's been about yeah. a lot of controversy and you were not happy about some of the things uh, that uh, you um, were coming across you thought there was a lot of uh, double standards here. yeah yeah I, I think it's when you point out people's flaws mm. or you point it out to the extent where for example football is the main thing about this World Cup and it feels like football's secondary at the moment because every time you turn on the first thing that's discussed is not football mm. or at least in the beginning when the f- first kind of first week of the World Cup football was secondary so it just led to like think that actually well you should only really point fingers if you yourself are doing everything right but the reality is or point fingers not at just pick and choosing what you want to point at but anytime you see something wrong then point a finger and make a stand mm. and then it just goes down to the point that you made um, in terms of actions speaking louder than words mm-hmm. because well because it seems to me a lot of lip <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> firstly it's and correct me if I'm wrong um, they've known for 12 years yeah 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 so what changed in the last 12 days of the, the, the commencement of the World Cup that suddenly everyone became very vocal yeah. and everybody became so um, concerned about human rights which don't get me wrong it's it's good yeah. that people are aware of human rights and everyone's human rights should be preserved and should be protected of course that's not the question but it's how you're doing it yeah I mean if you were to come to my house and me at the host and if you were to come and sit on my table and criticize what I offer to you, do you think you're being kind? You're being fair? You're being just to me as a host? Hmm. 
I think it's it's one of those things. Is um, at the moment keeping everything that's happening. The thing that's speaking the loudest is money. Of course, the fact is, money speaks the loudest. But but, but again, and that's the been the is, case for twelve years. And no, but this is the thing that look, if they wanted to make a real impact in the statement that they're making, then none of the TV broadcasters would go. Mm. Okay, no way, we're taking us. We don't want to go there. We'd host it from here. Mm. That's right. None of the radio presenters would go. Yep. But the fact is, they're all there enjoying the climate, weather. It's almost like a. It's a holiday. Holiday. Paid holiday. So they're enjoying that part of it, mm-hmm. but it's an issue. No, but this is, I, I agree, with you. With I the, agree with you. I agree with It's the same with the players. Well, no, the players made me laugh. I mean, I, I actually thought, I felt really sorry mm-hmm. for a lot of the players because I think our manager, uh, Gareth, kind of put them in a, pushed them in a corner. Because you speak for weeks and weeks and weeks on about a particular issue that, uh, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to wear the armband and you're going to do this and that. And then, and then, uh, the organizers and the, the actually the footballing authority, the international footballing authority, FIFA say, well, you'll get a yellow card. Mm. <laughs> now, again, if you believe in a cause... Take the yellow card. I'll take the yellow card. Yeah. Yeah? Because the cause is more important than me getting a yellow card. But they kind of, again, they made fools of themselves because one looks at the Iranian football team. If you take away the politics and the faith issues and the cultural issues and whatever you have it, the Iranian football team, rightly or wrongly, refused to sing their national anthem in support of the women being persecuted in Iran. Again, we're not going to be talking about the rights and the wrongs here. But the fact that they took an action which kind of puts them and their families in danger. Yep. Yep. So they didn't speak much. They just did it. They acted. And they showed that, hold on, these people, they truly do believe. They believe in standing up for a cause and actually taking action. Whereas if you look at a lot of the Western teams, (laughs) they gave a lot of lip service. But did nothing. But do you think that's media pressure, isn't it? No, it's not. I, it's I about the. It's about the. It's a personal. It's about the individual. No, but I feel sometimes with, especially in this generation, we're going to come to what, what one of the reasons is people just move away from, let's mm-hmm. say, religion. But in this particular thing, I think one common factor is when everyone's talking about it, and you're a relevant figure, and you're not seen talking about it, or you're seen to have a different view. Then that's it. The media, like that, you you're on the receiving end of a lot of stick. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. so. I think with a lot, I, I my personal opinion is I don't know, but I think a lot of these players, their opinion to what's being expressed on the media is probably two different things, but they can't be seen expressing what they feel. But then they shouldn't say anything at all. No, but I don't think that the players do. To be honest, well, the, the players, players are there well, are there are a few. No, but, but that's I'm what I'm saying. saying. This is a team game. Is it not a team game? Yeah. So when somebody talks, they're not talking as individuals, they're talking for the team. When Gareth Southgate, our manager, talks about a certain issue, he's talking as an England manager, not as Gareth Southgate an individual. He's talking against he's talking for the team. He is there to play football and manage a football team. And somebody should say to our own players 
that in Qatar who have uh, uh, you know um, who have a football team which is of different colors and ethnicities and a lot of naturalized players who have become Qatari internationals um, come from who, who were born in other countries when they lost when they lost um, against the kind of miserable you know um, games that that they had and one goal I think they scored in the whole yeah they didn't win one game they didn't win one game but did you hear any chance of monkey noises or bananas being thrown at them no no then why is it that in our country our nation in our country our own people throw banana skins and chant monkey noises at our players who happen to be of black color isn't yeah. their human rights infringed we live in 2022 yes we live in 2022 yet we don't talk i don't see any football manager getting up getting up and saying well my players are treated equally when when a white football player is 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 praised for buying um, things and 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 presents for their mother but when our when our uh, when our newspaper talks of our black football players they look at them in a in a in a in a derogatory manner the treatment of our media of people of different skin colors is absolutely atrocious i was listening to um uh, you know um, um, it was i think on radio 4 i was listening to this uh, this survey that was being quoted how even in 2022 In 2022, um, a person of Afro-Caribbean background gets paid 19% less, 19% less, yeah, um, compared to a white counterpart doing the same job. Even today, somebody from Bangladeshi background gets 46% less. Somebody from Pakistani background gets 22% less. Uh, do these things not form part and parcel of the human rights of these people who are doing exactly the same job but they're not being looked upon as humans are they because they're being paid less we live in a country where our fire brigade is declared as institutionally racist our police is 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 declared institutionally racist our health service has had issues of institutional racism within the hierarchy yet we have the goal to go and preach to other countries about yeah about human rights john barnes said something very very interesting on one of these media outlets he said that what's worse a country that's um abiding by their law mm-hmm. so like the enforce the police is enforcing their law mm-hmm. or a country where the law enforcers are actually corrupt hmm. or corrupt in the sense that they 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 go they practice beyond the law. Mm-hmm. And there's no answer to that. Like yeah, so in a country where the police like you said there is an element of racism. Mm-hmm. You can see like USA in America, mm-hmm. even in UK where there are where there are police officers or anyone, I'm saying any individual in any profession. But because we're talking about the law, so that's why I'm using this example, but where there are individuals in that line of work who go beyond the law and take matters into their own hands and actually there are situations where people are losing their lives mm-hmm. which country is worse that that's it. when he said it like that it just made me I was like that's such a valid point that we're criticizing a country for upholding its law but i i do want to clarify this point of the police and the fire brigade me saying that they that they've been declared uh, institutionally racist but the good thing is that they're fixing the, the, you know uh, take yeah, my hat off to i take my hat off to the fire service because 
they weren't independently uh, assessed. They actually invited um, Nazir Afzal to come in and, and remedy and, f- and investigate and find and find solutions. So they have identified, they've accepted there's a problem and they're going to look, look to, to, to resolve it. Similar to the police, the new commissioner, especially of the Met, has identified that there are issues and they are, remedi- they, they are, they are looking to fix the problem. Yeah. But the point that representatives of our country are going to another country, we are the guests. Yeah. There are responsibilities upon us to ensure that we act like guests. Yeah. Yeah. Lip service is. It seems to me that the 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 West has gotten so used to doing lip service that they never they never follow up with what they say. Yeah. They say, and again, this will go back. This will connect to what we we will be discussing over the next half hour, forty five minutes as well. They say the right things, but they never. There's never a follow up. There's never a follow-up. Mm. And I think, you know, they should go there, say thank you. Yeah? Say thank you um, and, and, and you know, perform on the pitch uh, yeah. and, and show us why you went there. You know, yeah. the, you know the, the, the coming home, what, let, let's, let's go to the first stage first. Yeah, yeah. I also think it's a misunderstanding what it is because we were very quick to say human rights but actually it's two different things in saying this country's laws based on a belief that this act shouldn't happen well our government but, but is actively saying, trying to come out of the human rights yeah. but what I'm saying is that law is not saying if you're caught doing this act anywhere yeah, that's it you're in trouble no it's saying there should be no public display of affection regardless if you're homosexual heterosexual whatever you are Mm. there should be no element of public Mm. display of affection because in this country there are certain rules that we abide by Mm -hmm. to keep to maintain some sort of social harmony Mm -hmm. so by all means and they've even said it in the way that everyone is welcome here wherever your likes dislikes you are welcome here and in your own in your own home in the security of the four walls that you are in do what you want mm-hmm. but when you come out into the public there are certain rules that you have to abide by mm-hmm. that's it like that's not denying anyone of their rights if that makes sense i don't feel that's denying anyone of their rights listen even if it did it's their law mm-hmm. yes it's their law we live in a country where we have Supposed Muslim politicians who say this country doesn't have a problem with Islamophobia. We live in a country where we have political leaders who come from ethnic minority backgrounds and they talk about how there is no racism in our politics. Yep. Again, we, we, we need to be looking at, we need to look upon how we are acting, what, what lies that we um, um, uh, um, peddle in front of people. We need to be self-reflecting. We need to be looking at our own mistakes. We need to be looking at our mm. own shortcomings. Because if we were to be truthful about our shortcomings, you know, we, yeah. we, 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 we won't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. Yeah? It, it is as simple as that. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Kayum, and Brother Asman. Um, let's move on. 
and 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 you know in a recent survey well not in a recent survey uh, the figures relating to the census of 2021 for the first time in a thousand years um christianity believe people who believe in christianity has gone down to i think 46 percent and uh it's it's gone down um below 50 percent for the first time um Judaism is the same. Um, uh, Islam has gone up by, I think, from 4.6% to 6.5%. Hinduism has gone up. Um, and uh, so has Buddhism has gone up. Um, you know, but the second largest number after people, uh, when people were, were asked if they were to believe in any religion, was that no, they don't believe in God at all now. That was the second um, um, highest number. Of households in this country and the question came to mind that in the pandemic we did fantastic shows and we spoke to so many people who talked about how um, you know did people realize that you know politicians and money and power could do nothing um, in respect of dealing with the pandemic and people got to a point where they didn't have a choice but to look towards God for for that peace of mind. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, this census, which was only done last year, which is done every 10 years, um, shows that more and more people are losing that belief in God. And and, and I wanted to ask you, because I, my, my personal opinion, I think, you know, um, a lot of um, faiths, organizations across the board, including Muslims, people, yeah, we are voice of Islam, including Muslims from different schools of thoughts. They have misinterpreted or reinterpreted or, um, or, or you know, done um, political interpretations of what authentic religions, um, scriptures have actually said. And uh, they think that scriptures, religion is too old and need to be progressive and need to be brought up to date with society. A lot of people, I, I hear a lot of pundits say that. Well, religion needs to be brought up to brought, brought up to date. It needs to be progressive. The word progressive they use, and they think religion is not progressive. I wanted to, I wanted to to get your take on what's what's uh, what's your take on on why people are um, are losing interest in God, or is it people are losing interest in God, and they're losing interest in institutions? I think if you, if you look at the history of religions, the further you go away from the source, so the source being, let's say, the prophet that the religion was found sent to, the further you go away from his life, let's say now the prophet has established, he's fulfilled his mission, he's now passed away, the further you go away from his passing in time, the more people then start to interpret to what suits their needs. Uh, because obviously when the prophet's there, it is no element of uh, doing your own interpretations. The prophet would interpret things for you mm -hmm. and tell you the difference between right and wrong. So I think that that's one major thing, that the further you go away from that person's life, the more then you start to mold that religion or that teaching according to what you think suits your needs best. Mm -hmm. And if that means then doing certain things not in the appropriate manner, then you justify to yourself that, no, no, this is how it's supposed to be properly because mm -hmm. I need to think about society as well. That's why I think number one. Number two, I think in this day and age, religion is based on two or three things. One is, do you inherit one? Mm 
Mm-hmm. So, for example, I inherited our faith. I was born into a Muslim family. Two, your experience. But that experience then comes in your most likely adulthood. In your As a child, you're not really... Your experience isn't going to determine whether you believe in something or not. It's mostly when you are an adult and you have... You start making conscious decisions or start, things start affecting your life, whether it's financial, marriage, whatever it may be, health. And three, just maybe your interests. What interests you? Uh, and has it ever thought crossed your mind or have you ever had some sort of experience uh, in which you've ever pondered over the purpose of life? There may be more, but for me, these two, three things can determine whether you are religious or not religious. Because some people may have suffered so much that the outcome of their suffering is, well, if there was a God, why am I suffering so much? Or why am I being put through this so much? On the same page, there is someone who's been through so much suffering, and because of that suffering, actually, he's determined that if there wasn't a God, I wouldn't be able to get through this. So that same one factor can have two outcomes for this for different people. Um, so that that's my kind of initial thoughts in terms of why people may be religious, not religious. I think last week we did a show, Saturday Morning Live, on youth engagement. And we would discuss like what, what is it about faith, or not just faith, it could be about education, politics, whatever it is. Why is there less youth engagement? And again, I think one of the factors was, and I don't, I don't think you can put an age to this, it's just distractions. There's so many other things that probably appeal to people more than doing the basics. And in every field of life, you would always say that if you get the fundamentals right, then you your foundations are strong, and then no matter what hits you, you'll be okay. What are the fundamentals? So I'm talking about, from a religious point of view, if okay, you, I'm gonna. What does that mean from a religious so, point? No, of so view? from my point of view, then, because okay. I, I I practice what I preach. Okay. So if my fundamentals in terms of what my religion teaches me are there, and I'm firm in them, then essentially, no matter what situation I'm put in, what environment I'm put in, I'll be okay because my fundamentals are okay. Mm-hmm. Where my fundamentals aren't okay, and I'm not doing the basics that my religion requires me to do then this environment will slowly have an effect on me. But if your fundamentals that you practice leads you to maybe a clash in your worldly life. What does that mean, for example? You've referred to your fundamentals as religion. You've See, this term, I always get confused in a sense where people talk about, well... There is the religious aspect of life and then there's a worldly no, no, aspect I, I of life. I said it in the point of view because, look, the survey that you just mentioned, mm. only 50% of the people are practicing some sort of faith. The rest, you said the second most followed thing is not Pe- to believe. People moving out, moving away. That's moving the second away. largest. Yeah, moving away from religion or faith. So those people then wouldn't practice. Like when I say from a religious point of view, they that is not a point of view for them because they're not religious. Mm. They've openly said that we're not religious. So I guess that's how what I mean when I say from a religious point of view. Going off on a tangent here, is religion an aspect of your life or religion is your life? It is your life. For, again, look, I think it's dependent on how you're introduced to religion. Mm-hmm. When you're born into a religion, you take that for granted. It's natural. Mm-hmm. You're born into something, 
your your first uh, practice. So, for example, I was born Muslim. I didn't start reading my daily prayers, so the salat. I didn't start reading them because I thought it was the right thing to do. I started reading them because I was copying my parents. Hmm. And then that practice became habit. Then when I got to an age, my parents taught me, oh, this is what you do, this is why you do it, this is what you read. But still, I never questioned it. Hmm. It's only when you question it, do you realize, wow, this is amazing. So it's good to question. It is very good to question. But I'm saying I got to that stage maybe when I was 15, 16. So 16 hmm. years I was doing something, or maybe 10 years I was doing something, just because I saw my parents doing it, my brother doing it, going to the mosque, everyone's doing it. So I never had to. That's where I say from a point of, um, are we reli- is religion, what was the, how did you say it? Is religion yeah. an aspect of your life yeah. or your life is religious? So I think where you don't question it, religion is an aspect of your life hmm. because you've, in, you've been so born So you've in, compartmentalized. Yeah, because in your home, yeah. And when you're in the mosque or in a church or whatever religion you bring to, you're doing one thing. And you never questioned it, so you've never, whether you believe in it wholeheartedly or not, you're doing one particular thing. And then when you go out to school, uni, work, and you see that, okay, um, people, things are here a bit different. People aren't too keen on me saying no because this is my religious belief or, or why are you doing that? Actually, religion's frowned upon in the media. I'll cover that side of me and when I'm at work I'll just portray an image of me that's accepted Hmm. and then when I go back home I'll just put that take that cover off and then I'll be back to my normal life that's where I think religion but that's that's wrong of course it's wrong but I'm just giving you an example Mm of what when you say is religion your life or is a part of your life Hmm. and when it's a part of your life that's what it is so you have to have that two-faced life double standards where you change the way you act and even change what you believe because belief system is not cherry picking it's not like at this moment in time in my life I will believe this and tomorrow I will believe you don't switch and switch off but people do switch on and switch off because that suits their need and is it because they don't understand religion they're probably different like I said one 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 thing is for acceptance, like we just said, because they want to feel accepted. Hmm. Uh, one thing is it could just be them not really believing in it, but they again want to be accepted at home. <laughs> it could be that as well. That in my now, I want to kind of also look at the other side of the coin. Religious institutions, faith leaders, they have started to take add or take away things within religion on the on the understanding they think they are making their religion more progressive and it will attract more people into their um to into their buildings yeah. into their temples mosques you know churches or whatever you want to call it that's not that, that's what's going on there I think faith leaders, no matter what level you're a leader, whether it's local, regional, national, international, they have such huge responsibility. And it's one of the reasons why, and again, we don't, I know I'm looking at the clock. Yeah, I know you keep looking at the clock. Don't worry about the clock. Because <laughs> it's one of those things, it's like, 
I don't want to mention it and not explain it. No, we'll come back to it. But it's um, is one of the reasons why, in the time of the Prophet's life, may peace be upon him, he mentioned that there will come a time where the worst people on earth will be Muslim kind of scholars or clerics. Clerics. Now, there's well wisdom to why he said that. And he said that 1,400 years ago. He said that because now mm. we've come to a time where people are so busy in their lives. I've like I'm an imam. I've witnessed this about even myself mm. that people have trust in me as an imam. Okay, here my kids. Please just look out, teach them, and uh, I'll be back in two hours. While you look after those kids, we're going to take <laughs> a quick break, and we're going to go to uh, uh, we're going to listen to some messages, and we're going to go to the eleven o'clock news. We want you to stay tuned. We want you to give us a call on 02086877878, or join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK, or you can email us uh, via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. We're going to carry on our conversation. Um, with where uh, Imam Usman was about uh, um, the belief in God or the disappearance in the belief in God. So do stay tuned. We'll be right back after these brief messages. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Kayyum, and joining me for the next hour or so again is Brother Usman. And just before the break, Brother Usman, parents were dropping off kids to you because they trust <laughs> no, you. No, I try. This is why I didn't <laughs> want to make the point. This is why I didn't want to make the point, unless I can explain the point. I, now the point I was saying, oh, you yeah. were just mentioning about religious leaders. That's right. And I said to you that the responsibility on their shoulders are so great because these are people, essentially, that practice what they preach who in the public eye and in private life, they should be the same person. But they're not. No, but I'm just giving an example of why their responsibility is so much. Because they they are who they are. Mm. They're pure, righteous individuals. And then I mentioned that saying of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, where he said that the worst people, there will come a time where the worst people under the heavens would be clerics. Did he say Muslim clerics? Or was he talking about Islam? Or was he talking across the board? It's a good question. I think it was Muslim clerics. Okay, so he was referring to uh, the, the 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 faith leaders within Islam. Yeah. Okay. Who who basically what he and was talking was, about is people who will kind of who will uh, divert yeah. from and the this, true word of God. Yeah. This was wholly solely to identify the state of Islam, uh, and then I guess it leads on to the topic that we're going to talk. But at that time, when the state would be this bad. Mm. And he goes on to mention where there'll be mosques, but they'll be empty of believers. The teaching is there in terms of the Holy Quran, the scripture, but people won't be following it. So at that time, when this happens, the Messiah will come. And I know we'll get to this point, but the point I was making in terms of leaders of all faiths, and I just gave an example of Muslims because we're Muslims, that imams or local leaders, whoever they are, 
the responsibility on their shoulders in terms of how much parents and members of their community on a local, regional, however, whatever level you can see it, the trust that they have in them, in the sense that they will leave their children uh, or even themselves. Because sometimes it's like, I don't have time to read, I'll ask him. What do, what do you say about this? And they'll trust in you to say whatever your answer you give. They'll trust in that answer. Mm. And they'll reference you. I believe in this because he said so. Mm. So there is, that's what I'm saying, that leaders themselves have such huge responsibility in the sense that they have to be righteous, not just in front of the camera, but when they're by themselves and they feel that no one else is watching them as well. Because God's always watching them. So I don't know where this conversation led from. I don't know what, what started this particular thing with leaders. But I was just no, saying... No, the, the reason I, 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 we went down the leaders route is because we the reason we talked about uh, a lot of people leaving faith and, and shying away from God is... I think it's too easy to say, oh, people have stopped believing in God. Yeah. I think people still do believe in God. But what they have stopped doing is believing in institutions okay because they see double standards in institutions okay. they see discrepancies in what's being taught and what is being practiced so they see that double standard so they're saying well i i i don't i i, I don't subscribe to this yeah organization okay and uh, because they don't organ, they don't subscribe to it. This it's interpreted as that that belief in God is disappearing. Also, my question to you: If people stop believing in one thing, does that mean they have replaced it with something else? Well, I'll answer the f the first point you mentioned first with regards to people maybe still believe in God, but they don't believe in institutions. Hmm. The reality is, when an institution makes a claim to be a divinely guided institution. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is the right institution because it's been prophesied in this particular way, mm. let's just say for argument's sake. Then you have to understand that is it true or false? And if it's true, in terms of you believe the claims of the leaders of those institutions, then you go to your next point, okay, that, okay, I believe in God. Because of my belief in God, I've come to a conclusion that this particular institution is correct. Now I have to understand that, okay, what's my belief in God mean? Is it just, uh, like you said, lip service? Mm. Or is it actually I've understood that God has mentioned, for example, to Muslims, I would say, maybe if it's different for Christians, but for Muslims, God will trial us in certain ways mm. where we'll be trialed in matters of life, uh, health, wealth, whatever, honor, all of these things, we're going to be tested. Mm. Now, that test can make or break you because you can result in saying, well, I don't like this, I'm going to move away. Because ultimately, you as an individual are only in control of one thing, and that's your actions. And if you believe in a higher power and understand that this world is a temporary abode, and ultimately, when we go into the next life and our you can say our diaries presented before God of all of the deeds that we did in this world and everything we went through. Our life is just open, an open book in front of God in the next life. Then I have to ask myself that, okay, all of the injustices that I've gone through, 
would it be that I can say, well, God, I'd stop doing this because I saw him and he stopped doing it? Mm. There's no level of, like, you're only in control of your actions. So that's why I would say that it's not, you're right. At the end of the day, even if an institution is correct, you're still only in charge of your actions. So if you see injustice, it shouldn't break you. It should strengthen your faith in terms of, okay, if I ever get that opportunity, I won't be like this. So that's my opinion on that. The second point, which what was the second point you said? When people do kind of get away from God. Is it, do they replace it with something? Yeah. I think it's um, when people drift away from God. Firstly, God never leaves them uh-uh. alone. See, no, yeah. no, you see, I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. No, but. I'm, I, I fully agree. Yeah. God doesn't leave them because he's no, God. No. So I'm saying there's always, you'll never be able to fill that void. What I'm trying to say okay. is when you, for example... Explain that to me. So, where you think, okay, let's say you come to the conclusion that in your life it's better, you've, you feel that there's no such thing as God. Okay. Tiga, so you've taken a huge step back. Now, for, if you are someone who believes in God, so if I was to ask you, what's the best thing you get out of believing in God? What's the best thing? Yeah, as an individual. What benefits you the most in believing in God? It gives me a purpose gives you a purpose and you can say it gives you satisfaction yeah yeah okay so then there's you, a reason you, for my yeah. existence okay so then if you take these two words mm. now I've if me and you or people who can relate to us we believe in God and it gives us a purpose and satisfaction mm-hmm. I've taken now that that out of the equation so God's out of the equation but as human beings mm-hmm. you still look for purpose and you still look for satisfaction. So if you're not getting it from God, you then start attaching yourself to other things, and your purpose then becomes worldly, or whatever your engagements are, or whatever your interests are, that starts to become your purpose. If you stop believing in God, does that mean you stop believing in the afterlife, the heaven, the hell? Do you stop believing in... You believe just in this world. I think a lot of people do. Yep. Because you can't so not believe in God. If you believe that, how can that? But doesn't that negate the this notion of purpose? Because if you only think you believe for this world, well, there is no then, then that can't be a purpose, can it? So that means you've lived for nothing. That's fine, but a lot of people do have that feeling that actually. The purpose is to make most whilst we're here. For what purpose? To enjoy. Ah. So that's the replacement, isn't it? Enjoyment. Yeah. For, they are people... Yeah, satisfaction. For for short-term measures, they are, they are giving precedence to short-term measures instead of being patient and looking at long-term or thinking because if you truly believe that your life matters and then whatever you do will lead to something if you if you if you negate that something then it's purposeless isn't it yeah and that's where i was talking about the leaders and the faith leaders because faith leaders are not telling their parishioners, the believers of whatever faith they belong to, 
that it is their responsibility to self-reflect, it is their responsibility to look upon themselves, and it's their responsibility as individuals to connect to God for a specific reason. But they, what they are interested in is ensuring that their parishioners are coming to their institution and filling the building. Because filling the building will mean that it's it's a numbers game. Yeah? yeah. But this goes back to what you were saying, that the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, 1500 years ago or 1400 years ago said that the worst of the people, worst of the Muslims will be the clerics. Yeah? Now, why are we talking about this? The reason I want to talk about this is, and, and the reason why we've been going on about it for 20 minutes, is <clears throat> no matter which faith we look at, no matter, um, you know, one thing, you know, everyone talks about is, well, what's the future? Yeah. Either people have stopped believing in the future or they're just living for the sake of living. Yeah. Yeah. Now, from a religion point of view, or from a belief system point of view, one one looks at Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Uh, you look at Hinduism. You look at Buddhism. You look at Zoroastrianism. You look at uh, even Confucianism, Taoism. One thing all of them have in common, all of them, is that there's going to be someone who's going to come and stop this cycle that we are living in at the moment of um, diverting away from God um, everyone every faith believes in someone who's going to come and save the world how and, and everyone has a belief that whoever this person is going to come and he's going to come and destroy the opposition and it's it's going to be every faith within within its own existence is going to be the right one yeah. why is it that if all of these faiths truly believe in the authentic scriptures of what their beliefs are should they not be more open-minded to know that maybe the person that they're waiting for comes from another faith? What happens then? Or is there going to be, I've listed nine faiths, but there's possibly more. Is there going to be nine messiahs? Is there going to be nine people who are going to come and save the world? What What is the solution here? I, I think we have to understand the evolution of religion. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is our Muslim point of view. But why is it only we, Muslim? No, no, but I'm just giving our point of view in the sense that we believe in all previous prophets. Okay, explain that previous. to me. So, for example, as a Muslim, so there are different prophets, um, different religions hold different prophets to be dear to them. And mostly, it's likely it's the prophets that the religion was revealed to. Mm. You know? So, for Muslims, it's the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. For Jews, it may be Prophet Moses, may peace be upon him. But part of our faith, we're taught that actually a Muslim is a Muslim. A Muslim is an individual who not just believes in his prophet, but believes in all previous prophets and holds them all very dear and high in status. So is Confucius a prophet? Was Krishna a prophet? Was Buddha a prophet? These are all prophets of God. 
Okay. So we believe that we they believe, are. We believe, yeah. But, but they're not spoken about, though. By who? I don't know. It's 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 something that, um, you know, when when it's not something that gets spoken in mainstream, it's not something that's spoken about. I mean, even if you talk to, uh, you know, somebody who believes in Hinduism, somebody who believes in Buddhism, and when you tell them, well... Yeah, everybody. Everybody's so it, stuck no, on on but, the Abrahamic religions, but it doesn't work. That both. everything that comes goes away from Abrahamic religions. People say, "Well, no, that's something different." Thing is, it doesn't work both ways. So, where Muslims believe in all previous prophets, mm-hmm. other religions who don't believe in the prophet may peace be upon him. Mm-hmm. So they don't accept Islam because they just don't believe in that prophet to be a true prophet. So, it does, for us, regardless of what faith you belong to. We're saying that a Muslim is only an individual who believes in all previous prophets, and there's been about 120,000 of them. Mm-hmm. So we believe in all of them, and we believe in all of the scriptures that were once sent by God. But this is what I mean that we believe in the evolution of religion, in the sense that every religion... But when you say we believe in all the scriptures, you mean the authentic scriptures, authentic scriptures yeah. not the scriptures which have been updated to suit the need of the no, people no. at so a th- certain time. This, and it goes back to the main point that in the evolution of religion... And what does that mean? That means that, again, we can't comp- comprehend this point because we live in a world where we're connected. We live in a global village. Mm. The world is a global village. But thousands of thousands of years ago, there was no internet, no electricity, no traveling in terms of the modes of traveling now compared to back then. Where you were is, that's your life. For example, if we were studios now in Morden, if we lived in Morden, more than all we've ever known. We've not don't know about Crawley or Guildford or we only know about what's in and around us. So similar to like school, I always give this school example that God Almighty sent a prophet to each nation according to their abilities. So essentially you're practicing you're preaching the same message, but you're preaching it in accordance to the ability of the people that are your subjects and it's no different to school that not everyone's on the same level that's why the syllabus may be the same but actually there's a foundation level there's an intermediate level and there's a higher level teaching the same thing the same subject so it's that's what we believe that God sent different prophets at different times to different nations with the same core fundamental teaching and then there came a time to unite all religions. And that's when we believe that actually God sent the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. And if you look at the previous scriptures, there are signs that lead to this as well, that show you that there will be a prophet that will come. And in fact, one di- one difference between our scripture and the others, like you said, there have been occasions where even these authentic scriptures, for some reason they've been lost or damaged and they've had to be written again and then you start judging the authenticity that was this the original scripture or not was this how it was before the Quran is the only scripture in which we can say since it was revealed not one letter or even one you can say um, what's the English for harf it's like one symbol not one letter or one symbol has changed it's in its authentic uh, text um, and in fact it's the only scripture in which God himself has said that I've revealed this and I'll protect it and that is one proof of its protection 
that since it's been revealed, it's maintained its original form. And you can't say that about any other scripture. That's not to say that they're not from God. They are. We do believe the previous scriptures are from God as well. But we believe, like I said, in the evolution of religion, that now when the world is ready to unite, God sent this one religion to unite under the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. And that's why if you want to unite under one religion, then that's why we have to believe in all previous religions as well. We can't unite and say, well, we don't believe whatever happened before to be true. No, we do. We believe in all previous religions, all previous prophets. We hold all previous prophets, Prophet Jesus, Prophet Moses, Prophet Abraham, whoever it may be, to be true prophets of God. But the teachings have to be same. Sorry? The teachings of these previous prophets have the the teachings of the previous prophets yep. have to be in line with the teachings of Islam. No? Or the previous teachings that you're referring to already fell within the fold of Islam. Hence, no, what I'm saying is, for example, no. And, and sorry, um, apologies. The reason I ask is, we always say this, but we, we, it needs to be explained what that means, that we believe in the previous scriptures. Because surely the previous scriptures weren't complete, hence why the Holy Prophet at the final sermon said, today I have completed your religion for you. Well, clearly it was incomplete before. So what do, what does that mean? That I have completed your religion. And, and, and as you so rightly said, it was said that all the previous scriptures is something we do believe in. So, so where does... The, the, there's got to be the same message in all the books in order for us to believe it. The thing Surely. is that the fundamental message is the same in terms of worshipping and recognizing. Recognizing that... The recognition, recognition of, 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 of what of unity God. of God. Yeah. Okay. That and worship. For example, even Prophet Jesus, I don't think there's one place in the Bible where Jesus has said that you should worship me. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself, there are many quotes you can take from the Bible in which he's worshiping God mm -hmm. and he's encouraging his disciples to be good people, to worship, to do things that every prophet would encourage their companions to do. So, again, but you have to remember, it's not to say that this teaching was always there, but it just wasn't complete. This teaching evolved with the evolution of the minds of th that time. So if the people of Prophet Adam, mm -hmm. you can't, yeah, at that time, they weren't ready to be united. That's why the teaching wasn't a complete teaching. It was based upon their belief. And then as time went on and they developed not just... Uh, mentally but physically and what the world became started developing and around them and they were ready to unite and now the true teaching was ready to be revealed that's when they the, the final true teaching came it wasn't that that teaching was always there mm. it just wasn't complete it was there but in accordance to the ability of those people and the need and the you can say the uh, requirement of the world at that stage now, let's bring it back to, you know, we've talked for, about... And I'll give you one example about this. Please. Sorry, sorry. One example. For example, the Holy Prophet, in one example, may peace be upon him, was explaining the latter days. Hmm. And he's basically explaining to people. So if I was to explain this to you, you tell me what comes to your mind. There'll come a time where, and keep in mind, your mode of transport right now you have to take yourself back 1400 years okay that your mode of transport is camels donkeys horses yeah? transportation that's your transportation yeah mm -hmm. 
So if I said to you, and this is your only experience of transportation, I said to you, there'll come a time, Guillaume, where you'll be able to sit in this really big donkey. Mm-hmm. And um, the donkey would make an announcement before it leaves. Mm-hmm. And it will travel at speeds that you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And you will be able to do journeys that we normally do in months, in hours. Mm. Aeroplane. Okay, so now you understand that because you've seen an aeroplane. Mm. But for someone who hasn't seen an aeroplane 1400 years ago, yeah. uh, you have to explain. And this is what I mean in the evolution of religion. So now that's the holy prophet, may peace be on his time. If you go back to Prophet Adam's time, how would you explain to him things were happening in the holy prophet's time? Mm. So this is what I mean in terms of evolution of religion. That the, It's not that the religion was incomplete. It's that the f- core fundamentals were taught to each nation according to their abilities and the needs of their area. Okay, so they were specific they were specific to a certain people at a certain geographical location. Of course. Whereas Islam was universal. Yeah, because now when they've everyone's kind of developed to a time where they understand that now we need to be united mm. is when that one the final when that message one came. came of that which was via the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings. May peace be upon him. Now the Holy Prophet also talked about a time we've spoken earlier than where the people will be and the clerics will be of the worst type. And, and wh- why did he say that? Because this very thing that we're talking about. Okay. That Islam will be in a state where nothing will be left except for its teachings. Hmm. There will be Muslims. There will be people who claim to be Muslims. There will be mosques, but they'll be empty of true believers. Hmm. Meaning that the... There'll come a time where Islam will need almost reviving, um, where everything will be there, but they'll just need someone, almost a messiah, to come and remind everyone and r- present everyone the true teachings of what Islam is and the true character of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. So basically, Islam will also follow the same roots as all the other religions um, before, all the other religions before Islam people will forget the true teaching no because like I said Islam is the only religion mm-hmm. in which it's mentioned that this is the last law okay and it's mentioned that this is the last scripture and God like I said to you God mentioned it as well mm. that I've revealed this and I'll protect this so when you talk of Islam in this equation you're referring to all religions of course because all religions encompass all religions lead to Islam lead to Islam okay Hmm. so the Holy Prophet talked of the worst people of or the worst type of Muslims would be the clerics but of course there's uh, the flip side to it that somebody has to come and revive you use the word revive who will revive so and will they revive Islam it's easy for me and you to sit here as Muslims to yeah. say Islam, but this person will revive all of the other religions as well. So it goes back to your point in terms of, okay, now we have to see mm-hmm. that if every major religion in the world mm-hmm. is waiting for someone. Which is a fact. Yeah. Then is it going to be 10 to 15 or 20 different people are going to come and save the whole world well that's what it seems like at the moment because because they're all waiting for example the interpretation of that is Mm -hmm. it's not that they're going to come and save their particular faith okay it's they're going to come and save the whole world meaning whatever their actions are it's going to be to unite everyone 
Well, sometimes the, the, the you know you hear this narrative of my faith is the correct one and the the, the savior will come to save his people and destroy the others. But out, okay, so even if we take this for example, what you just said, mm -hmm. what is a particular faith who believes that an individual will come mm -hmm. to prove that their faith is right, but ultimately, what does that do by proving that your faith is right? It, everyone comes under that umbrella. Hmm. So now we've united under your faith. Hmm. So this is what we need to ask, that if every major player in this game, well, I say, I've said it, I sound like a... No, I'm but it's true. I'll stop talking it's about religion. But no, if no. every major religion mm -hmm. is waiting for an individual and they're making the same claim hmm. that this is actually... When this happens, when this person comes, everyone will fall under this umbrella. So is it... Is is it one person that's going to come? Are we missing something? Like, these are the questions we have to ask. That are we missing something? Because every other religion is saying the same thing. How can this happen? Or is it going to be... So discussion should be, will he come to destroy or will he come to unify? Exactly. Because nobody talks of unification. I mean, if one looks at the state of the world at the moment, it's all <laughs> divisions. You look at the world now with cancel culture yeah. and how much media has an influence on people. Yeah. Whoever does, I mean, if it's the interpretation that we take, so, some some uh, people of faith take things literal. Hmm. In terms of, like, God speaks in metaphors. And sometimes he explains things in a way that it's easy for us to comprehend. So if, for example, I'm saying that this particular person, he will, like you said, revive faith. People look at it as a vibe faith, but some people look at it from the other coin in terms of he'll demolish everything else. Mm. It's two different things. By demolishing everything else, you think in this society that we live in, that's that's possible? No. Mm -hmm. Look at look how much societal pressure there is. Look how much media pressure there is on this World Cup. I'm just saying. Yeah. For example, whether you believe in that to be true or not, whatever's happening. But the pressure is so much that sometimes you have no say. Now you're telling me someone's going to come in this world and uh, physically going to put things in place and force people to do things that maybe they don't believe in. Well, force is the wrong word, isn't it? But that's that's some people's interpretation. Hmm. That if you, if when this person comes, when the Messiah of whatever faith comes, if you don't accept then it's it's not a good ending for you. That is some people's unfortunate interpretation of this. And this is why I say some people take things literally. And some people, we understand that actually God speaks in metaphors and there's more to what he's saying and for us to understand his wisdom. So the Holy Quran, the scriptures of, of God Almighty, need to be interpreted in metaphorically. Look, some things are black and white. Mm-hmm that you, you can do this, you can't do this. Hmm. Some things are explained to us in a way that the that particular teaching is for all times. So one verse can be interpreted into a million different things. One verse. Or represent. I shouldn't say interpret. It should it should it should kind of I would say one verse can relate to so many the, different the, scenarios in yeah, one's life. I think the better way to understand to explain it is one verse is not particular for just one time. Okay, we believe the Quran to be the final religion, not just for us now, but we, we believe in Islam in to be years. the most progressive religion yeah, there is. So, in a thousand years, in its authentic form, in a thousand years, 
however much the world is developed, mm. it won't make a difference because the in the terms of religious point of view, because the Quran is of all times. So even then, they'll be looking at this teaching, thinking this is perfect. So the Quran has already spoken about things that are going to happen in a thousand years. No, I'm just giving you an example. No, no. Um, the reason I, I say that, the reason is something, somebody said that to me recently and I thought, explain that to me. And they said, well, the Holy Quran has spoken about black holes and space. And, yeah. and, and as man has evolved, those teachings have become more relevant yeah. where there was a time when, and it was an article I was reading where scientists who used to completely, um, not ignore, completely... Um, disbelieved the notion of God Almighty over a period of two decades especially the Holy Quran they have read it and seen the the the, the pro progress in science and how it has already been mentioned some way in some form in the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran. that scientists have started to believe yeah. in um, you know the, the this narrative that God and science are intertwined yeah so the, yeah, so that that's one things that we might not understand now. Mm -hmm. Certain things, prophecies that we might not understand now. Yes, hundred percent, we have that faith. But it's just because we've not gone through it. So potentially, in the future, when this unfolds, so who's another, the savior? Who, who's the savior? Who's the savior? Is the savior a Messiah who everybody talks to? Because the word Messiah is used everywhere. Do you remember in that? Different forms. Do you remember that Netflix? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going what to was refer that, to. What was that called? It's called the Messiah. It's called the Messiah. Now that that raised a lot of questions. It did. And this is what I'm saying that in this in this world, in the way that things are, and the way that um, people are led, and the way that the worlds run, hmm. that is the type of Messiah that people are unfortunately waiting for. Yeah. Who will come and do miracles? Who will come and do miracles? Yeah. Because I remember once uh, I was listening to a radio show in America hmm. by chance, and someone called in. And the same topic was being discussed, and they said that, listen, guys, I, I don't get it, because um, because part of, let's say, Sunni Muslims, hmm. we as MD Muslims believe that Prophet Jesus passed away. And when hmm. we say the second coming of the Messiah, it won't be that same person, but in the same way that he was a Messiah for Prophet Moses, this particular person that comes in this latter days will be a Messiah for the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. That's the basic teaching that we believe in. But the example I'm giving is, not other Muslims believe otherwise. They believe that Prophet Jesus didn't die on the cross. They believe that God saved him, but he was elevated physically. Mm -hmm. That in his physical form, God lifted him to the heavens. And he's been waiting there for thousands of thousands of years. And he's going to be brought back down when it's time for this Messiah to come that we're talking about. So someone mentioned on this topic, when it was mentioned on the show. Someone Stop said, looking at the clock. We have 20 minutes. Someone, someone <laughs> mentioned on this top, uh, topic. If the Messiah... Hmm was to descend in, let's say, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And it's such a small population, well, not compared to like America and um, other countries, depending on what part of New Zealand you're in, or Fiji, or any other island that's not as populated as America, because they're using their own example. One, what's to say that there'll be people there watching? Mm. Two, who's to say that we'll believe him? Can you imagine like the state that Jesus went up in mm -hmm. compared to the standard of living now if you compare it to his standard of living thousands of years ago mm. so if someone like that let's say we've missed his descent for some reason we've missed the descent but there is someone of those features saying I'm Jesus one would the world believe him and two 
then how is the whole world witness to this if we didn't see it or if only one particular country saw it? Hmm. If this is a Messiah who's coming to unite everyone, but his descent is only seen by certain people, or the sign to f- of his pr- uh, truthfulness is only witnessed by one particular part, how how we, how how is that work for everyone else? Hmm. So it was interesting when he said that point. Actually, I was listening, thinking, "Well, that's a valid point. It's one way to look at it." People who believe that he was picked up or replaced. There's so many different versions. Yeah. Is it not true that that goes against the law of living and the law of nature? It goes against that? Of course. So if God created the laws of how one lives and dies and and creates the law of nature, then under that basis... God must have made a mistake if he could, if he picked someone up. No, it's not that he made a mistake because the argument people then present, well, is God not all powerful to do that? Well, he, of course and he my, is. My reply to w- that is within this. the parameters that he designed, the laws of living and the laws of nature. Here, here's my like the thing is I'm not the most educated when it comes to presenting these examples, but the thing that stuck with me is this: that okay, yes, for argument's sake, let's say. God is all powerful. Mm-hmm. He can do as he wills. He is and he can. Yeah, he is and he can. And if he so wanted to, he could. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's our belief in God. But then the question ask, I ask is, okay, to Muslims I would say this, and to Christians I would say something else, and to Hindus I would say something else. I would use their particular prophet in this example. But for Muslims, I would say, listen, if this Messiah's purpose is to bring back the two teachings of Islam, bring everyone under the umbrella of Islam and God had the ability to lift someone why would he lift Prophet Jesus and not just lift the Holy Prophet may peace be upon him Hmm. it makes no sense to me like that just this one point Hmm. that okay I've come to understand that God can lift someone if he wants but then why not lift the Holy Prophet may peace be upon him if the whole purpose of this second coming of whoever it is is to revive faith Islam then why not lift the Prophet? Why lift Prophet Jesus? May peace be upon him. Hmm. And I'll say the same to Hindus. I say, if you, if God had the ability to do this, but they, their belief is different, I guess. But with Muslims, it's this, in terms of that this Jesus will come and he will, the same Jesus that was living thousands of years ago will come now again. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't sit well with me. And this has got nothing to do with religion. It's just common sense. Hmm. It's but to me, as much as I agree with you, and yeah, it, it, it's it's there is that un- other aspect of how it doesn't make sense. But if God has created a system and He goes against that system or He changes that system, then surely that means something wasn't done correctly, so He's correcting it. If a correction is being made, no. But then it goes back to that point in terms of, like I said, it's part of human nature. I mentioned this in the beginning. The further away you go from the source of something, the more you then start to diff- or change or mold that particular thing to suit your needs best. 
Okay. And that's human nature. I'm looking at the clock, so I kind of want to take it to the next step. But I want to, so one thing I want you to do is bring it back to actually the point of discussion is that we said, what's causing this census that was taken, what's causing people to go away or to take a step back from religion? And ultimately it's, and when we talk about the Messiah, one thing is this, that look, if you belong to a religion, we as MD Muslims believe in a living God Hmm. who speaks now as he spoke before and he will speak to, to us in the future, to whoever commits to him. If not now, then when? You know, this is why I keep asking and this is why I ask people to question themselves hmm. that even when the Messiah came, we believe the Messiah to be uh, may peace be on him. He fulfilled all the signs that were mentioned by the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. And I know we don't have time to go to those signs, but... I'm giving you an example that even at that time, there were very renowned scholars. Well, go through the signs. We've got but five but minutes. Do, 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 no, but I'm know. saying, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that before he made his claim, hmm. there were very renowned scholars of that time who were saying that everything now that's happening in terms of what we're witnessing, this is the time for the Messiah. This is before he, anyone made a claim. And these are scholars across all religions. Yeah that this is the time for the Messiah. Hmm. And then he made his claim and whoever wanted to accept, accept. So this is that same thing I say to people now, because online you'll see different influencers, you'll see different leaders, different, um, uh, even in the nowadays, like you, you don't even need to officially be a leader. If you have a platform on YouTube, that's it. Like you're, a, cause <laughs> I, and I'll give you an example yes. because there's, the, uh, there's um, two well-known you can say Muslims who have a platform on YouTube, they mm. have a somewhat good following, and they're not any leaders in, in any respect. No one regards them as leaders. Mm. But the reality is in the YouTube world, when they're invited to podcasts or when they're invited to other platforms, they're spoken to and referred to as, well, you're, you're like, uh, you represent Muslims. Mm. So this is what I'm saying. Nowadays, you don't officially have to be anything. If you've got a platform, you're representing that particular faith. So it's even more dangerous now. And this is why I say, like, and we go back to our conversation, why real leaders, real leaders are people who don't crave attention, but they get it because of the fact that they're so righteous. Now, you mentioned Hazrat Mirza Ghulam, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, on whom be peace. Is he the revival? Was he the revival? Was he the unifier? Yeah, we believe so. Why? Because he fulfilled all the signs. Again, look, this is me uh, as an individual who was born into a religion, hmm. who's questioned my religion and understood that actually, yes, I'm on the right path. And the reason I say that is because, look, my first point of contact wasn't the Messiah. My first point of contact is there a God. Once I've comprehended that, yes, there is a God because there's a purpose and I believe whatever I, I seem to believe that, yes, there's a God and... One day, hopefully we get to meet him. But it then goes to, well, if there's a God, then what's our purpose in this life? That's the second question. Okay, our purpose is to recognize him through obedience to the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. Hmm. Okay, that's fine. Then the next part of the obedience then falls under, well, there'll come a time where nothing will be left of faith by its name. And when that happens, a Messiah would come to revive your faith and uh, these particular signs will be fulfilled 
and he'll be a prophet. Accept him. And for me, it's that simple. It's in that order that I've accepted that this person is, is the right person. Because in that order, and again, it's different for everyone else. I'm just telling you my particular way of thinking mm-hmm. and questioning my faith. And it's as simple as that. And I think, and one of the most basic things for me is in the Holy Quran, God mentions that if someone subjects something to me and it's not true, then there's no progression. That person will die a cursed death. What does that mean? Meaning that, for example, if someone claims to be a prophet, mm-hmm. but he's not actually a prophet, mm-hmm. then his claim will not progress and he will die a shameful death. So I go back to this one verse and no one... And, and there's been loads of people over... over the and there are examples of this yeah. that people have claimed uh, for whatever reason they've claimed and, well, I've forgotten their names. That's so, how much in terms of they've not progressed. But what I'm saying is this one particular verse and I'm just... Again, these are things that have attracted me. Everyone's different. Some people might need more... More but, but, evidence, but from, more... Just for the benefit of the listener, there's been loads of people who have claimed to be the Messiah over centuries. Yeah. And nobody has ever survived or progressed or developed even an iota, with the exception of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community. Is that correct? Yes. In the se- yes, so, so people have claimed um, to be prophets, to be mm-hmm. messiahs, mm-hmm. to be from God. And the point I was saying, and the point I'll end on, is that if, again, and this strengthens my faith, mm. this is all individual to me, that if this person who I've accepted was false in all his claims, and his claim isn't, his claim is one, and he's explained it, and he's explained it in such a way that if you look at his life, in every aspect of his life, he's practiced what he's preached. Hmm. He's written over 90 books in which he's defending the honor of Islam. He's defending the character of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings be upon him. He's telling us the difference between right and wrong, not because it's <coughs> anything new. He's not brought any new law. He just reminded us hmm. and brought the beautiful example of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, back into our lives. Because the world is such and it's developed in such a fast rate that there are so many distractions that religion becomes an afterthought. Finally, we've only got four or five minutes left. Um, our listeners might be thinking, these guys are going on about religion and faith and blah, blah, blah. Why is it important? Why is it dangerous that people are shying and diverting away from God Almighty? What? Is it dangerous? Is it harmful? Is it, what's the problem with diverting away from God? The thing is, it's we we believe again. This is a whole topic in itself. It is. It in is. Sen- so so you know, that, I apologize for no, asking in, such no, a loaded no, question. In the sense that, in the sense that we believe that religion teaches good morals. Yeah. Now there's a handful of people that will think or believe that no, you don't need religion for good morals. You can be a good person in general. Mm-hmm. And I think then, it, if you look at what's happening to the world now and what's what was once accepted and what's accepted now, it's we've come a long way. And tomorrow, I'm just saying, if people or society thinks it's okay to do a particular thing that we're, today we don't accept, then 
by no means will come under media pressure, societal pressure to accept that particular thing. Hmm. Why it's important to have religion in your life is because this religion that we've accepted is a universal religion. It's for all times. And ultimately, this life that we're living in is not an eternity life. We have no saying when we're born. We have no saying when we're going to die. But we all will one day pass. And when our eyes close in this world and they open in the next, it'll be a reality check in terms of, okay, that was your test. Let's see your results. Hmm. So more than that, again, that's, there's many different ways you can look at this. More than that, why it's important to have faith and believe in God is because one, like you said, it gives you purpose. Yep. And two, if you want real satisfaction, real, real satisfaction, you won't get it from money. No. You won't get it from friendship. No. You won't get it from any job. You'll get it from remembrance in God, remembering God. So fulfillment, contentment, because, purpose, satisfaction. Because we mentioned this and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But yeah. what, what's true love? We mentioned this before the show, yeah? yeah? And I said to you, human beings, because of our weakness, we can't express true love. The we only, can't even define the it. The only people who can are, we pro- can't even define the it. Only people that can are prophets and caliphs mm. and saints. Because they have fully devoted their lives and showed the utmost love to God and their prophets. And that's why they reached that status. But that last, is a topic. last point, sorry, last point. Mm-hmm. When we talk about why it's important, because God is a being that will always love us. This is what I'm saying, that no matter what we go through, I'm only in control of my actions. I'm not in control of what the world throws in front of me. But if I know there's a God who always loves me and who always support me and who'll be there in my times of needs, then that for me is much more comforting than any money, any friendship, any particular help that anyone else could give me. Take one step towards me and I will take 10 steps towards yeah. you. Um, you've been listening to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Kayum, and Brother Usman. Thank you, Brother Usman, for such comprehensive answers on such loaded questions. I'm sure we will come back to the topic of what is love um, at a later date. Uh, later date. Um, we have only got two to three minutes left. Um, any any World Cup predictions? World Cup predictions? What's your World Cup prediction? You never watch football. So what's I don't watch football. So to me, um, you know, uh, I don't know, Brazil. Brazil, number one ranked team in the world. It's mm. not a bad show. thing is, as much as I want England to win it, my heart wants Messi to win it. Oh, Argentina. I want Ar- Just because I want him to have, yeah. have that at the end of his... If this is the last thing he does, what an amazing career. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, you are listening to Saturday Morning Live. Just a, a, a call out to all of our listeners. If there's a topic you would like us to discuss... Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can email us uh, your choices of topics at uh, www um, at uh, um, um, at our email via our website. Don't you forgot on the website. No, no, it's www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Or you can, um, you know, you can th- throw us a message via our social media network um, at Voice of Islam UK. Oh, give us a call. Brother Habib uh, is in our. Uh, tech office. He would love to take down your details and your suggested topic on 02086877878. Um, and, you know, we, we would love to talk about what you want to talk about. If there's any questions you want to uh, throw at us, we would love to answer them. Um, as a, as a Brother Usman said, religion, Islam, is not a compartmentalized part of your life. Um, Islam is a way of life. Yeah. Um, Every aspect of what we do from the second we open our eyes in the morning to the 
to the moment we close our eyes and go to sleep, Islam is present and will be present from today till the end of time. Uh, any parting words, brothers? No, uh, it's just one, one, exactly what you said. And I think it's just a reminder that we can't pick and choose when we want to be religious. Yes. And you the, either and, are and or you are. The thing is this, is, this is the beauty of God. God will always be there for us. Yes. But it's, you have to remember God in times of ease. And this is a saying that I've always lived by. If you remember time, in, if you remember God in a time of ease, he'll remember you in times of hardship. Thank you to Brother Osman. Thank you to all of you for listening. Please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Um, uh, we will be back live on our breakfast shows from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. every morning and drive time from 4 to 6 uh, p.m. every day weekdays. Uh, please remember us in your prayers. As I said, please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Please um, be safe. Until next time, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.